And now, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. And I'm feeling the strength. Ain't it a shame? Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Uh, we have got the perfect uh, January Day show for you. It's a whirlwind tour of wine regions. And uh, as you know, on this show, we get to travel to uh, many, many wine regions throughout the year. Uh, today, we thought we'd take you to some special places, starting in Washington State. It's the place... They, it's a place that was named twice. They liked it so much, they named it twice, Walla Walla. Uh, great place and very famous for Merlot production. Uh, there are neighbors down south, <coughs> easy to visit, so uh, stick around and listen to that interview. Next up, uh, we're going to stop on the Naramata bench uh, to discover uh, a winery called Kulshana. Not a lot of people know about Kulshana. Uh, they are a top Chardonnay producer in the Okanagan Valley, and Skip Stothert, uh, a former paving company owner will uh, talk to us about how he went from road building to uh, winemaking and uh, how he's enjoying that. Uh, then we're going to go down to one of my favorite places, Mendoza, Argentina, and we're going to talk about attitude and altitude and, of course, Melbeck. Uh, it's just a, such a great place to visit, folks. Uh, I know everybody loves to go to France and Italy, but put Mendoza on your list. Uh, it's just a great wine region to spend some time in. And uh, coming up next, Adelaide Hills. Now, Adelaide Hills has a reputation for being one of the coolest subregions in South Australia. By temperature, I mean. Also, the people are pretty cool. Uh, and so they have an affinity for Pinot Noir and Chardonnay as well. And we're going to catch up with some folks from Sean Smith and talk about new wave Australian Chardonnay. All that and more uh, coming up next. So stick around. Uh, we can't wait to come back and chat with you on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Come and get married in the land of Ing at Watermark Beach Resort in Osuyas. Beachfront on Osuyas Lake, Canada's warmest lake. One stop for all your wedding dreams. Gorgeous lakefront suites at Watermark Beach Resort for you, your family, and your friends. Farm to table South Okanagan cuisine. Dining and whining, laughing and celebrating deep in wine country. <laughs> Connect today. Weddings at watermarkbeachresort.com. In town for the Vancouver International Wine Festival? You deserve a relaxing stay at the Westin Bayshore Vancouver. 
Enjoy refreshed guest rooms with breathtaking views of the harbor, North Shore Mountains, and Stanley Park. Must-try restaurants like H2 Rotisserie and Bar, plus recharge at the Vita Spa or at the newly opened Just Add Water Yoga Studio, featuring a variety of classes like meditation made easy, flow yoga, and more. The Westin Bayshore Vancouver, proud supporter of the Vancouver International Wine Festival. Book your stay at thewestinbayshore.reservations.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello and welcome to the BC Food and Wine Radio Show. I'm Tony Gismondi. Uh, we're now only four weeks out to the 2020 Vancouver National Wine Festival. Uh, so I want to remind you to look for BC Food and Wine Radio on stage. Casey and I will be in the theme region, uh, space, which of course is France this year. Uh, now on the show today, we're headed to Adelaide Hills, uh, really one of my favorite places in the South Australian wine region. Shaw and Smith is the winery that we're catching up with. Uh, it's run by two cousins, Michael Hill Smith, who is an amazing uh, MW, and his cousin Martin Shaw. But joining us today is David Lemire. He's an MW, so he knows wine, and he's also the uh, global sales and marketing guy for Sean Smith. He travels the world. He knows more about wine than, uh, he's probably forgotten more about wine than most people know. Here's our discussion with David Lemire. David, welcome back to Vancouver. Thanks, Anthony. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you in the studio. Uh, I haven't seen you in a while, but you've been busy. Indeed, uh, yeah. Australia's yeah. been busy. Uh, it, it's almost like they've reinvented themselves. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of things that we've been working hard on that uh, are really coming to fruition. So um, uh, we're now, I think, showing more of our cool climate, mm-hmm. more refined styles to the world, and people are really having a, an, another look at Australia, which is great. Would I be correct in saying that Sean Smith, by the way, we should tell people where Sean Smith is, and yeah. uh, are they not leaders in cool climate uh, production? Well, we had our 30th vintage this year, 2019, yeah. so we've been at it a while, and yeah, we're certainly one of the wineries that uh, has been embracing cool climate viticulture for a long time. Um, so we're, yeah, yeah, you could say that. The focus is new Australia? We've always had this uh, philosophy of making modern styled wines. The traditional warm climate regions have got a great history and a great tradition, but uh, we've had this opportunity to work in, you know, elevated vineyard sites, higher, cooler, wetter, and the styles of wines that we're making there as a result of those of that environment are, are really much more elegant and, you know, have this great acid freshness. And, uh, yeah, so it is an exciting modern style of Australian wine. It seems to be a style that the world is embracing. Uh, I know in the beginning, uh, not the beginning, but say maybe the beginning time for me in the 70s and 80s when everybody was after big wines, after Barossa wines, Napa wines, it had enough of skinny uh, Bordeaux wines. And now it seems like uh, everything has flipped over and red fruit is in and freshness and acidity is in and and uh, you're kind of right in the middle of it now. Yeah, and uh, it does feel like... We're in, a, we're in a good place. And I think part of it is our food culture, our, yeah. um, you know, our desire for things that are, you know, have real freshness um, and the way, that we, the way that we eat and drink. And uh, we're seeing Pinot Noir, for example, yep. um, getting more popular. We're seeing 
just a little bit of a change in emphasis where we still want intensity, but we don't want the heaviness that can sometimes go with that. I feel like wine people adapt faster than anybody. It, it seems like we always say it's a slow business, but really the, so much has changed in the wine business in the last couple of decades uh, since we started. For instance, uh, New Zealand sells Sauvignon Blanc everywhere in the world, but you have a Sauvignon Blanc from Australia. <laughs> and I know. you brought it in the studio. <laughs> Tell us about that. Um, yeah, Sauvignon Blanc for us, we, we've been doing it for a long time. And when we started, or when Martin and Michael started, mm-hmm. the, the Shore and the Smith, um, it was... Uh, not not a big category at all in in Australia, but it's um, what it does in the Adelaide Hills is produce a wine that is less overtly fruity. Um, it's got this subtlety and delicacy, and uh, so it really is a point of difference to what's being made in the in, in the Marlborough region in New Zealand. And people really embrace that more subtle style that mm. that can be versatile with with seafood particularly and also on its own so it, it works well super lively have you tried it casey i haven't tried uh, it. it's on your left there we're speaking with david lemire from sean smith and we're tasting the uh, sauvignon blanc this is the 2018 vintage from adelaide hills so at some altitude very cool wine uh very impressive balance too i love the the tangy uh, fruity character of it but also the the elegance and the length on the palate the persistence very nice wine great for vegetarians indeed yeah <laughs> go very well with vegetables you've got a masters of wine and i i am curious about how important you think a formal education is in wine look i think it's a it's a great thing it it doesn't it's not for everybody for me it was wonderful and i i admire people who have got this incredible drive to learn and challenge themselves and become great experts um, on their own without a formal structure. For me, having that incentive to to really get a broad base initially with the WSET diploma and then following on that with the Master of Wine, it worked well for me. I really enjoyed it. And I think one of the benefits is the community, um, the people you study with, the people you um, are in the Institute with as, as Masters of Wine. So um, there's the foundation, there's the community, there's the challenging yourself, but you know, it's, it's not for everyone. And I, I think, uh, as with winemaking and, you know, lots of somewhat artistic pursuits, people can do it on their own, in their own mm. way as well. You never stop learning in this business. I think that's <coughs> the key, uh, but it's always great to have that sort of broad foundation so that you can pursue, uh, well, for instance, let's talk about your Chardonnay. So the, this is quite a famous wine, actually, the M3 Chardonnay from Adelaide Hills. Uh, there has been a revolution in Chardonnay in Australia. It, it, uh, it dates back now probably about 20 years since uh, the, yeah. the, the switch was flipped, I guess. We were drinking crazily oaked wines here in the 90s. Uh, that's all disappearing. Yeah, the old oaky, creamy, super buttery yeah. styles. They're why did we do that, or why? Wh- wh- what do you oh, think look, all think, that was about? I think it was about a desire for flavor impact. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was um, going to the extreme of richness and flavor, and 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 that. You know, there were some there were some really interesting and cool wines in, in that style, but I think there was a a big swing where people found those wines a little bit over the top. They didn't age that well. Um, they weren't that great with food. So people in Australia, there's, there's been this swing of the pendulum. And, you know, in some cases it's gone too far. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> very skinny, lean wines have been made and, you know, um, where they've been picked 
super early and they just lack generosity. So it's come back a bit. We we really love Chardonnay character. It should have some texture. It should be delicious. Um, yeah, but still have this fresh acid line. It strikes me that that uh, Australians Australian winemakers love Burgundy too, white Burgundy. So they have <coughs> they we have do. quite a yep. standard, yeah. uh, or at least they have an idea of what a great wine can be, and they pursue that. And I think that's really important. We've been we haven't struggled. Well, we have struggled a bit with that in BC to get people to <coughs> to think about great wine when they're making wine. I think it's important to know, you know, where that level is. Yeah, it's a real balance. And I think there have been times where we've been too reverential to Burgundy. Yeah, you know, and, totally. And we do love it and we drink it. and uh, But we've got to be true to our own sights and our own, you know, the, the styles that our region wants to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we certainly look at Burgundy. We drink Burgundy. We have a lot of respect for it. But we don't want to be imitating it you can't be them you have to be yourself exactly yeah and uh, um you know but i think the exchange of information the inspiration and everything that's 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 good to have that yeah for sure yeah that's a great chardonnay what would you choose to eat with it i think one of the lovely things is that fresh acidity so it can cut through um dishes that have got a little bit of weight i mean you've got such great uh you know salmon and that sort of thing here and atlantic char and and these sorts of things um but it can handle a creamy sauce and uh um yeah it's it's um a wine i think that uh you know it's built on this lovely core of acid and then you've got complexity coming through with um uh you know a touch of oak in the background we don't like it to be too prominent but um uh, we see this sort of nectarine character, but we we don't like it to be too much uh, overt fruit. We like to have a subtlety and a restraint in our Chardonnay. Mm. Sean Smith, who are these guys? Uh, how, Martin, how, Martin how have they yeah. developed over time? <laughs> the you know the, one of the great things about them is that they're just total wine geeks. Yeah. You know, they're um, Michael was the first master of wine from outside the UK, yeah. so that that was. Um, uh, a, a great achievement back in 88. Did he have a big wine bar too? Or? He had the Universal Wine Bar yeah, in, in Adelaide, yeah, exactly. which was uh, in its day, the, it was a place, place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And Martin Shaw uh, was a winemaker. He's their cousins, their first cousins. Yep. But Martin um, made wine with a guy called Brian Crozer at Petaluma yeah. in the 80s. And they were real pioneers of the Adelaide Hills region. Um, so they're a pretty formidable team. And um, we... Uh, in 2013, uh, our senior winemaker, Adam Waterwitz, joined us. Um, you know, a really uh, talented guy with a mm-hmm. great feel for cool climate wines. So mm-hmm. Martin and Michael have, you know, got a lot of nous themselves, but they've always been willing to bring other people in and yeah. get other voices and and be really focused on uh, improving and evolving. Mm. Uh, well, it was great to try these wines today and share them with our listeners. Of course, these wines are available mostly in uh, private wine shops around uh, the lower mainland, the, the top private wine shops, limited supplies, and uh, not a lot of them around, but wines that you should check out. Yes, the prices on the Sauvignon Blanc, the price is thirty six forty four, and the M3 Chardonnay is fifty four sixty four. Yeah. 
David, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to catch up with you and uh, have a quick chat. Uh, and you have a new vineyard in Piccadilly, so things are going back to where they started Indeed, in some ways. We do, yeah. That's uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, so much of our emphasis is on the on the vineyard, yeah. and, and this is going to be a really it's a it's a great part of the Adelaide Hills. Super cool and high, and um, yeah, it'll be a close planted vineyard with Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Amazing wine under screw cap, folks. Perfect. Remember, Absolutely. That's a long time story at Sean Smith, but uh, a great story for Australia. See you soon, David. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Casey. Uh, Thanks still plenty more to come on the show. Uh, Louis Reginato, he's a bit of culturist from Luca Wines in uh, the Uco Valley, Argentina. He'll be up next uh, on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. Blow away those winter blues and take a break at Tinhorn Creek. Their tasting room is open daily from 10 till 4 for a stress-relieving wine escape. Join the Crush Club and get VIP treatment, including regular shipments to top up your cellar, early access to new releases, and more. Plus, pick up your 2020 Canadian Concert Series Early Bird Passes online now and get all four concerts for the price of three. And don't forget, the Miradora Restaurant reopens for the season March 1st with a delicious new spring menu. Visit tinhorn.com. Discover a true wellness-centered oasis in the heart of Canada's only desert at Spirit Ridge Resort in Osoyoos. Wake up to stunning views from your condo, suite, or villa. Enjoy modern vineyard cuisine inspired by Indigenous history and culture at the bear, the fish, the root, and the berry. Tour and taste at award-winning Ink Meep Cellars or just relax and rejuvenate at their on-site spa. Spirit Ridge, an experience like none other, part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Check for Family Day and Spring Break packages at spiritridge.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This place was just a word made up by someone who's afraid to get to. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi uh, with Casey Wilson. Uh, we're on. Uh, we're heading to Argentina today, folks. Really, if it's not on your bucket list as a wine region to visit, it should be. Uh, it's just so spectacular with the Andes, uh, the setting, and the wines. We're going to catch up with uh, Luis Reginato. Uh, he's from La Posta Wines. We had a great discussion with him about uh, what's going on with Melbeck and uh, other varieties in Argentina. Of course, he's had a long association with Laura Catena, who is really the first lady of wine. Uh, enjoy our discussion now with Luis Reginato from La Posta Luca Wines. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Vancouver. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be in Vancouver. Yeah, it's a long Great way. Great city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a long, long way long from way. Argentina, but it's. Uh, I feel an affinity with with Argentina. I know in the South Okanagan when I, <coughs> when I'm in that sort of desert uh, uh, mountain. 
climate. It makes me feel like I'm in Argentina sometimes, and there's a there's a strong connection. I wish I could go there with you to for you to smell the air and to to feel the savoriness of that. Yeah, I've never been in Okanagan. I would yeah. like to no, go. No asado there. No asado. No. no asado is important. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> uh, okay, let's start and tell our listeners where uh, where you La Posta and Luca. What what are they and where are you from there? Okay, uh, I I'm from Mendoza. Yep. Right. I I was born in a village called La Consulta, which is about three thousand people. So a very famous I, wine village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we are going to have a couple of wines from there now. Um, so very excited to be in Vancouver and coming from this, and especially speaking in English in a radio station because it's... Uh, <laughs> um, well, your English is a lot better than our Spanish, I can tell you that, <laughs> so you can relax. <laughs> so uh, this, um, these wines are owned by Laura Catena. Yeah. I've been working for the Catena family since 1999, so oh, long 19 history, was yeah. my, my 20th vintage. And and there are two different stories. La Posta is, uh, we use um, grapes from growers. Mm -hmm. So we started um, since the beginning to work with growers that uh, had the potential to produce a high quality because of the age of the vines. These are old vines uh, and also the location. Sorry, they when, were when you say old vines, how old do you mean? The youngest is 25 years old, okay. but then it goes until 80 years old. Wow. On rooted Malbecs. Yeah. yeah. On their own roots. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were producing high volume, right? Yeah. High yields, irrigating a lot. Of course. And we... we you had to educate them a exactly, lot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now we, we have a long contract uh, where they we pay well the fruit, so they, they went down with the yields mm -hmm. and... You know, smaller clusters, smaller berries with more concentrated flavors. Do you feel like there's a culture of wine now? I mean, there always was a culture of wine in Argentina, but when I first went there, uh, there was two different kinds of wines. There was kind of the peasant wine and the export wine. Has that all changed now? That yes. There's, there's yes. only one kind of wine now? And I think so, yes. Yeah. Mostly the people started to drink less wine, yeah. but higher quality wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... And we have this Italian influence and Spanish influence, you know, that a lot of immigrants that we got. So we have the culture of wine. We uh, consider part of the meal, yeah. the wine. Yeah. You brought two wines. They're both Melbeck. Maybe we could just have a quick conversation about Melbeck. Uh, sometimes people don't want to be known for a particular grape, but Melbeck really has uh, become a signature of Argentina. What What mm -hmm. is it about the place? Why Why is that grape so work so well there? Well, I think... A, there is a combination between the genetic selection that we have, that is a pre-phylloxeric Malbec, um, that was was brought from Europe before the phylloxera, and then most of these uh, these Malbecs disappear mm -hmm. in in Europe, yep. uh, but stay in Argentina. So it's this population pre-phylloxeric, very old that we have, combined with the climate. You know, the high elevation, the yep. sunlight intensity, very yep. dry climate, very big difference between day and night temperature that uh, make the, the Malbec ripe uh, in a unique... Uh, and, and, and I guess it's a different Malbec now, like 100 or 200 years down the road, the, the way that it's mutated or grown, that it's not exactly the same Malbec that came from France. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And also... Um, uh, we think there is an adaptation to the place, like yeah. le, the epi, epigenetic. I don't know if you have heard, but it's like um, <coughs> adaptation yeah. to the place. Like how we live in our houses uh, over years, we we adapt to the place. I think. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're speaking with uh, Luis Reginato. He's a viticulturalist and uh, winemaker at Luca and La Posta Wines. How do you feel about chilling red wines? I feel good. You like, so <laughs> yeah, you I like, like them chilled, yeah. well I like, chilled. I like the wines chilled. I don't like the the white super cold, and I and I I like the the, the whites cool, but yes. not too too cold. And the red's a little bit cool. Yeah, yes. I like to chill the wine. Because yeah. what, when the when red is chilled, what is the effect? For me, with the glass in your hand, then you can, if it is too cold for your palate, you can warm it up exactly. a little bit with your hand, right? Until it found the right temperature. But if it is warm, you can't. You cannot chill. No, and, exactly. And I don't like the reds when it is warm. You feel too much the alcohol, you know, mm. and you, you miss many flavors. So I like to chill the wines. Yeah, Your grapes reds. grow on high altitudes. What What is the role that high altitude plays in winemaking? Well, we, we have studied that a lot. You know, in Catena, we have the Catena Institute of Wine. is where we do all the research. And we found, because when we started to plant in high elevation, and I mean 1,500 meters, 5,000 feet, we were searching cooler climate. Right, you go higher in elevation and it's cooler and cooler. But then we found an effect for the sunlight intensity. You go up and there is less atmosphere to filter the UV. You get an extra sun, uh, sunlight intensity. And then the grapes produce a thicker skin as a defense. And you know, in the skin you have the aromatic precursors. You have the the most of the polyphenols are there. The color, the tannins, yeah, the the tannins yep. exactly. So. With a thicker skin, then you have an extra concentration of flavors mm-hmm. and, and structure. But there's a danger it could be over the top, too, so you have to manage that. Yeah, exactly. Then we learn over the years how to manage those skins, right? Because if you over-extract, then it's too much. So, like, we ferment for Luca, for example. I ferment in 500 liters uh, barrels mm-hmm. that are of an... We call them roll fermenters because they come over a structure of iron with wheels so you can rotate the barrel instead of doing punching so down. So it's a very gentle mixing of the exactly. skins and the juice, not punching it down. Exactly. You, 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 you treat them very gentle during yeah. the fermentation and then you have these wines concentrated, you know, but not, uh, not dry or astringent at all. So we, we have two wines, the La Posta, the Pisella Melbeck, and then we have the Luca Melbeck. Uh, mm-hmm. One, uh, you're purchasing grapes, the, yes. uh, the La Posta. In both, in both. In both. Because we, with Luca, when we started with Laura in 1999, mm-hmm. um, she wanted to show, make premium wines, but also show other varieties yep. than Malbec. So we make a Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, that are two grapes owned by uh, her father. Okay. Nicolas, so yep. because it's very high elevation, it's the only vineyard there. But then with Luca Malbec, this old vine Malbec, she wanted to use all vines. And the only way you can use all vines is if you purchase from a producer that is already having a, an yes. old vine. You cannot plant and wait 50 years, right? So we have this uh, relation with these growers uh, that sell us the grapes and, and we can make Luca. In the case of La Posta Pisela, this family is very interesting because they were they are f- from Buenos Aires, which is 24 million people. It's a huge city. Mm-hmm. School teachers that they decided to mo- change his their lives, move from the big city to this 3,000 people small village in the mountains. They bought the land, 
Pablo today. He managed, he drives the tractor. He prunes the vines. <coughs> he's a happy man. Yeah, his, <laughs> his wife uh, Paula. She's she's the school teacher of the school in the village, and they could raise the kids in this um, very nice uh, environment. So two different kinds of Malbec, one from Mendoza, one from Uco, but I guess it's the intensity in these wines and the ability to age that sets them apart. I mean, the La uh, Posta is around $24, $23, and the uh, Luca sells for $30, $39. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just very, different levels of intensity. Yeah. Very inky black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. This is Malbec. Malbec in yes. high elevation has this color and also... The, um, not only the color, but also the, the concentration of tannins with the acidity, you can age this wine for 20 years. Wow. Uh, so the difference basically is the, the vineyards. You know, for Luca, we use uh, three different vineyards that are over than 50 years old. Mm-hmm. So the yield is very low. Yep. Um, the vines go deep. There's the more complexity. Exactly. Then yeah. you can age the wine longer in barrels. Pisella is 20 years old, the vineyard. The yield can be a little bit higher, so then the price is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, time just flies by. But so <coughs> so we tasted the two Malbecs. There's many other wines in the marketplace, but uh, it, it seems like this is still the signature wine that people are after. Uh, I, I just love the texture you're getting in these wines today. I know that a lot of work has been done at the winery, but uh, you have to be pretty happy with them. And then, and they're totally different than the wines of Catena as well that, mm-hmm. that we see. So they have a signature of place as well, which is really nice. Uh, I love the savoriness in these wines, though. It's, mm-hmm. For me, it's the most attractive character uh, of the Malbec, uh, and it makes it very food-friendly as well. So. Thank you. Thank you very uh, much. Welcome to Vancouver. I hope you have time to see the city a bit. And, I love uh, the city already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you can get out and uh, eat around town and uh, drag a few wines around with you. They're, they're, it's pretty fun to, to try uh, Asian food with Melbeck. It's a pretty mm-hmm. interesting match. I, w- I will try because we usually have with steaks for sure. Yeah, yes. don't Perfect. do that. <laughs> don't do what you usually do. That's what I tell people. Okay. Thanks, Luis. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Uh, that was Luis Reginato. He was speaking to us about La Posta and Luca wines from Argentina. If you haven't been to Mendoza, please put it on your travel list. Uh, and uh, also, Buenos Aires is not a bad city to spend a few days in uh, to eat and drink as well. Plenty more to come here on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Up next, Skip Stothard. He joins us. He's the co-owner of Cool Shana. Do you know what that means? We'll let you know right after this break. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Every once in a while, something new comes along that makes us sit up and take notice. It might be a song, an app, it could even be a new way to enjoy a special evening out. In the coming days, you'll be hearing about a stellar addition to the West Kelowna Wine Trail. Something different, something unique, something delicious. Keep listening for more news and remember, good things come to those who wait. And the best is yet to come. 
Hi, this is Duncan from Hillside Winery and Bistro. I invite you to experience the finest that Naramata Bench has to offer. Terroir to table cuisine, handcrafted wines made exclusively from Naramata grown grapes. Delight your senses as you sit back, slow down, and savor our locally inspired food and wine. Enjoy a fresh take on dining with the Bistro's new shared plate menu. Come discover and taste the difference at Hillside Winery and Bistro, located in the heart of the Naramata Bench, just minutes from Penticton. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Uh, On the show today, we're uh, heading up to the Okanagan Valley to visit a winery you may know very little about, but you'll know a lot more after this interview. Cool Shauna Winery. Now, you get on that road in Naramata and you just keep on driving until you hit the mountain that goes over to Kelowna. It is the most spectacular little winery just sitting on the side of the hill. We're going to catch up with the co-owner, Skip Stothert. Uh, He's planted almost entirely to Chardonnay. There are small amounts of Pinot Noir, uh, and it is an amazing, uh, almost unknown jewel from the Okanagan Valley. Enjoy our discussion now with Skip Stothert at Cool Shauna. Skip, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having uh, us. Great to have you here. Uh, did you ever imagine you'd end up in the wine business? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> you always it's, seem sort of struck like, by that. Like, what? Why? Well, I've had, well, my background is highway paving. Yeah. And I've had a few people tell me, what the hell are you doing in this? <laughs> well, the Romans built roads and they made wine. Exactly. So it's a close connection. This is a passion yeah. that we love. You, so, what, did you buy a house in the Okanagan? Is that how it started? or uh, We lived in Deep Cove yeah. in North Van. Sure. Our kids moved, and we were offered to purchase this property in Naramata Bench. We had friends that lived next door and next door to that. Yeah. So, we decided, what the heck, let's do it. So, then we moved there, and uh, as I mentioned, the paving business, our sons were basically taking it over, and gradually they... Didn't need me anymore. Yep. So I got bored, and I had a hobby, which expanded. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, and well, sorry, Casey. Well, so we should imagine you're on the Naramata bench, but you are way uh, <coughs> north on the bench. You're almost at the Shoot Lake cutoff. Uh, so you're in a very particular spot to, covered in ponderosa pines on a steep slope overlooking the lake. It's very idyllic, and uh, it's the kind of spot, if, if you know wine, you'd say, man, there should be a vineyard there. Did, did you feel that when you started? or? <coughs> Well, there were vineyards right next to me, yeah. uh, and then there's Paradise Ranch, which is 75 acres of, sure. of vines just down the road, and I would be hanging out in 2003 and wondering what I'm going to do, and I, while I'm an equipment operator, why don't I Clear make a little land. vineyard here, yeah. and uh, uh, it was all raw land. It's, it is a unique terroir, which I didn't know about. I didn't even hardly know the word terroir or what it stood for at the time, Right. and there's a lot of special different terroirs in the Okanagan, but ours above us is uh, bedrock, mm-hmm. and that bedrock during the glacial age pushed down all this calcium carbonate limestone, which we have... The magic. Yes, as yeah, as Pedro Pera would say, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the juice that makes everything special. Yeah, the energy, yeah. I didn't know it at the time, but wits in spades. We're speaking with uh, Skip Stothert. He's the co-owner of uh, Cool Shauna, a BC winery on the Naramata Bench. And what is the meaning of the name Cool Shauna? Cool Shauna (coughs) comes from my wife's family's name. It's Gaelic. 
It's three or four hundred years old. It roughly translates into a meeting place of friends. We liked that part of the name Conjuring Wine and uh, Family. Friends, yeah. And that's how and you drink gathering wine place, and, yeah. and enjoy it. I love the name. Actually, my wife, Sheila, it ends the same way, A-G-H. It's a Gaelic name, and uh, I think it's a great name for a winery. You Thanks. got hooked up. I'm, I know you talked to locals, but in the end, you got hooked up with this guy named Pedro Parra, who we've talked to a few times on the show. He's a Chilean terroir specialist. Now he's a world-famous guy. Uh, he came over and dug a few holes in your uh, <laughs> your vineyard. Yes. I happened to be there the day uh, the first hole was dug, and uh, I don't know what you were expecting, but it probably wasn't what Pedro hollered out of the hole, and we had, we had quite a laugh about that that day. But. <clears throat> well, let me just put it this way. It was a learning experience. Yeah. He told me all of the very positive things before, and then when there was a, many people there, he got into how I actually had to farm this property. Yeah. And we thought we were doing a pretty good job, and we came to the realization that there was still a lot of work that needed to be done. Yeah. And we've been working to that end. I, I should explain, day. when you taste this wine, folks, by the way, the Kulshana 2016 Chardonnay, is, is there any left? Is it still available uh, direct there's, from the winery? There's a little bit left. Yeah. yeah. It's a very ethereal-style Chardonnay, and it's made over at uh, Okanagan Crush Pad. Correct. And is Matt Dumain uh, your, your main man? So yes. Matt is a very hands-off kind of guy. So this is a really—when you taste this wine, it tastes and smells like if you're walking down the road in Naramat on a warm summer day. Like, it has this incredible imprint of the land on it, which I just love. And I think that's the money. Like, if you're going to pay 30 40 50 bucks for a bottle of wine, it should taste like the place it came from. So you're very lucky to have that. Can't let that go, Skip. When I went over to the Okanagan Crush Pad and first met these folks, they told me that, quite emphatically, that what we do is natural winemaking process, minimalistic, and we want to express the terroir of your vineyard. And that's their philosophy for all of their winemaking processes. And they nailed it. You nailed it. Well, thank you. We we bought into it. We we're you really got a love. Like, did you ever drink wine like this before? Or like, were you a Burgundy fan? Or well, yeah, I was. Yeah. From so you knew that skinny could be good. Yes. Yeah. So you yeah. knew what you were looking for. Well, that's the first thing I talked with uh, the first biologist that came out onto our property in 2003. I told him what I had in mind: uh, Burgundian style wine. And then I went to the crush pad, and they said Okanagan terroir wine. Yes. First. Good for them. Yes. And and then I asked if I could do a specific aspect, and I got some shocked looks on their faces. And then <clears throat> I sort of said, I'd like it to be in a Burgundian style. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? And they said yes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the background of it. Well, and they work with Alberto Antonini as well, and he I know that he was involved a bit at the start in 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 looking at the style of the wine. And Alberto's a big hands off guy too, and uh, you just feel it in the wine. And I think that th- this kind of wine sets a tone for many other <coughs> people. And actually, if you look at the growth of Chardonnay in British Columbia, uh, it's going, it's moving to this style across the valley, which is fantastic. So you have more more mates. It's much easier to sell once people get into it. So. Casey, you try this, how fresh oh, it is. It's beautiful. Uh, it's amazing. Anyway, we should move on to the Pinot Noir because it's so rare. You brought a bottle to the studio. I just about <laughs> fell over. Uh, so you make a little Pinot. How is that going? Are you happy with it? or The 2016 is long gone. Yeah, um, I'm sure. And we really like it because, it's, as my wife says, it's got that 
Pinot Noir nose to it, the first thing you, that hits you is you know it's a Pinot Noir. It's full of uh, uh, fruit, plums. Uh, it's quite exotic, though. Yeah. It has so, some sort of exotic spice in there. That's yeah, there's some, some nice spice, and uh, it's it's exactly dead on to what we tenets, wanted yeah. to uh, to make. They, it's picked whole cluster. It's put into two different barrels uh, and then blended at the end. People ask me all the time, so what, I don't know. Can anybody see you, meet you, or is it all online? Are you uh, too busy in Hawaii <coughs> or other places? Or How <laughs> does that work for consumers who are interested in Cool Shana? We do travel a lot. But one of my yeah. favorite things that I do now after building the vineyard is to show it off. Really? So I like to get into our little uh, Bobcat Kubota-style vehicle. Mm-hmm. We all get a small amount of wine. And we drive around and... Who's we? Who's we? <laughs> Whoever shows up. Members. Mem- members. Okay. Members. Sounds like the club yeah. you want to join. We finally got it out of them. Okay. And uh, uh, and so I, we, we just drive around and and then we end up... Well, two minutes on that site is all anyone needs. They'll fall in love with it immediately. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice site. We feel pretty blessed being there just with and without the wine. Yeah. The vines, Fantastic. I guess. So it's been a good little journey. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And then it offers, obviously, other things for our family to, part of it, to yeah. join us in the summertime. Sure. Well, Judy, I met Judy. I, I, I love your house there. It's so beautiful. I know that she had a big hand in that. Just, But just the way it's laid out, it's it's kind of minimalist, but, you know, in the trees. It's just, it's it, it's almost like the wine in many ways. So I think the whole picture is has been painted perfectly and uh, it's so great to have a product like this in BC it, it's inspiring I think for young people who may think I could never have a winery but if you just make one wine or two wines that yeah. there's no need to make 30 wines you know at the winery that's basically was our philosophy when we started yeah there are two types of wine Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that are really the kind of from the same area yeah. yes and was it more difficult to make the Pinot Noir uh, we have uh, four different clones for the Pinot Noir, and, and uh, they're all picked for various ways of blending and, and flavors. And I think the one clone that we have, a 943, is hard to grow, but really, really intense in flavors. Mm-hmm. It's small, bun- small yeah, clusters. Quite distinctive And I as think well. that that really imparts a lot. Then it's done whole cluster and left in the barrels for a year, and then we leave it for at least another year because mm. it's... Uh, Fantastic to catch up with you. Another Okanagan Crush Pad success story of, you know, listening to good advice, following it, and then, you know, running with it. Uh, I, I think I, I can't say that enough to people who are interested in getting the business to get the best help you can get at the start before you do anything crazy. Uh, and then, you know, once you get the hang of it, uh, as you've done so well. So congratulations. We look forward to the next new vintages. And uh, so people can go online, go to uh, Cool Sean and join the club. And maybe they can get themselves a, a personal tour of the vineyard someday when they're out in Naramata. It's also available at uh, many uh, yeah, private wine shops or private wine shops and yeah, and restaurants and restaurants. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having. Please us. say hello to Judy for us. Okay, I'll yeah. do that. See Thank you, you soon. Okay. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, you're welcome, Skip uh, Stothard. He's the co-owner of Cool Sean along with his wife Judy. They've uh, they only make two wines, folks. You should track them down. Uh, in private wine shops, and now at this point, until the next vintage, probably best in restaurants. Uh, still plenty more to come here on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Constance Savage joins us. She's the general manager 
from an old winery we know well from Washington State, Le Col 41. We'll right. get the story on that story after this. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Kalmana Family Estate Winery reminds you that it's time to join the 2019 Fellowship and reap the rewards. Kalmana's Fellowship not only brings people together through their love of Kalmana wines, it also features exclusive benefits only available to members, like access to the number series, Kalmana's small lot program, as well as unreleased library and rare wines from their portfolio. For details, visit kalmana.ca. Kalmana Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. The Upper Bench of BC's Similkameen Valley. For those in the know, it's a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. And it's here. Nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos Winery. Surrounded by an idyllic organic vineyard using natural ferments and small-art artisanal winemaking, they produce elegant and age-worthy wines that reflect their unique land. You can find Clos wines in fine wine shops and restaurants across the province or order online at clodisole.ca. It's Jesse here from Black Hills Estate Winery, inviting you to join us this winter to experience the best that BC has to offer. Enjoy an educational seated wine flight and sample our flagship red wine, Nota Bene, while taking in the serene vineyard views. Or check out our online store for seasonal specials, new wine releases, and more. We're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit blackhillswinery.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Uh, you know what? We're going to one of my favorite places now, Walla Walla, Washington. If you didn't know, Walla Walla had the choice to have either the state prison or the state university way back when. They chose the prison because they thought they would have more jobs. Uh, so, in fact, the prison is part of the wine landscape there. But we're going to catch up with Constance Savage. She's a GM at Le Col 41, uh, which is a fantastic old school uh, house that's been converted to a winery. And it's a classic uh, Walla Walla producer. They've been around forever. She's going to talk to us all about these fabulous Washington wines next on the BC Food and Wine radio show. She's the general manager at Le Col 41. Sounds like a school to me. It it's does. actually a winery. Welcome to the show. Great to have you Thank here, Constance. You. It's yeah. a pleasure. Thank Where you. did uh, the name come from? So the school, it, we're in a school. We're in a okay. two-room schoolhouse that was built in 1915. So three years ago, celebrating 100 years of the building itself. Wow. And was an active school until, you know, the late 60s, early 70s. And then it sat un, uninhabited for almost a decade when mm-hmm. the founders of Lake Cole kind of stumbled across it and decided to make it into a little hobby winery at the time. Yeah. yeah. And the founders, well, today it's the second generation. Uh, yeah, second the, generation. The daughter is and uh, the husband. Well, Marty, yes, Mr. exactly. Megan, Megan, who's the daughter of the founders right. of Gene and Baker Ferguson, yep. uh, met and married Marty Club, who's yeah. a Texan, and they met at uh, MIT. Yeah, of course. Working, <laughs> working in finance in San Francisco, and yeah. um, and we're coming up to do the harvests between 83 and 89, and yeah. eventually in 89, I think Gene and Baker were saying, 
we're going to either you either have to take this on or we're yeah. going to call it quits because we need an energy it's transfusion. a lot of work yeah, yeah. Oh my so they took the leap and moved up yeah and so actually the third generation rebecca and riley their kids are actually active already active well. yep it's an old name and sometimes it's a it, it's an it's an effort to keep a name like that going mm-hmm. like it, we look at french wine it's a couple hundred years old and yes. say, yeah that's great but it's those it's that sort of 20 to 40 year pack where people got to either get in and stay in or yeah. not yeah uh, uh, Marty has done a great job, I think, with that. They've done a lot of things right at yeah. Lake Cole. Yeah. I can't take credit for any of that as I'm uh. a new general manager there. But oh, well. you know, Marty has it's a great... It's nice to have a foundation. Yeah, he has a great business sense and a great feel for people as well, Yeah, which means they have a great team. Well, they're, a, they're, they're essentially a Washington icon at this point yes. uh, in their sort of young career, really. Again, I, I, I would say thank you, but I have not taken, you know, I've not built that, but I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was so eager to come on board with them just one year ago. And from New York. From New York, I exactly. Know, that's amazing. So you were working in the wine business. Always in the wine business, mm-hmm. yep. Two plus decades, 23 years I've been in wow. importing and side. And you, I'm not going to say you, but New York wouldn't buy any Washington wine for the longest time. <laughs> the rough, stories yeah, were always the same. Oh, we go there, but they just, you yeah. know, they buy European wines. and. Yes, it's very much Boston, New York, Washington, D.C. are very I remember focused. Steve Burns when he was down there always pounding on the door in New York City yeah. and finally breaking through. I think yeah. eventually they got... To wine region of the year yeah. from from uh, the wine enthusiasts sure. exactly we have yeah. some good business in new york but it is it's an up- yeah. uphill battle so what's sure. lacole what is the soul of lacole uh, if people want to know what what they're up to you know it's a pioneering winery and so it's always about sort of being at the front of helping to grow washington wine and mm-hmm. the reputation for washington wine and being very res- you know respected in the industry um, being a reliable and respected choice. And we, we cr- make great quality, a lot of yeah. continuity of quality with a winemaking team that's, you know, combined over 50 years of, uh, of combined experience together. We so with deep roots. Very deep roots, yes. exactly. So that's, you know, I think it's the pioneering wineries that have those deepest ro- roots in Washington. Yeah. And it and really is about active. relationships, yeah. about grower relationships. Well, we had, we just, we were speaking earlier to uh, uh, a gentleman from Argentina about Melbeck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington had that Merlot tag for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Then things went sideways a bit, but oh. the, but the Merlot <laughs> the Merlot <laughs> didn't from Washington, but the perception did. Is it back or where where is Merlot today? Merlot's coming. You know, Merlot's coming back. I think in the last three four years and even accelerating, people are realizing that Merlot can be excellent. And I think that Merlot downturn did shake out some bad or uninteresting Merlots out of the system. Yeah, it sure did. So when you go to a wine list, you pretty much know that the Merlot that's there has been there's everything that's been peeled away in terms of bad sourcing that's mm-hmm. put in it. So Merlots are better than ever. And Washington really stayed the course with in, Merlot. In your short stint there, what, what is it about Merlot in Washington? What, what, oh, what, what's man, the it's connection? the best place. It's the best place for Merlot growing because yeah. we have that very good drainage in our soil there. Uh, we have windy, uh, dry conditions, so we have thick skins. We have those long days like you have up here as well. So we always come up to perfect ripeness. And to have we have wine that has has guts you know it has a yeah. backbone merlot so th- they're excellent merlots not just lake hole but from the state yeah. in general for me it's a bit of the trio i always i always blab about this now but the savoriness in washington bc 
and Argentina and Bulgaria, mm -hmm. those four places, you yeah. taste them blind, there's a lot of similarity in the Merlots that come out of those places. Exactly. They're more they're more than just fruit forward, you know, even if Yeah. Hey, we're speaking with Constance Savage. She's the GM at Lacole 41, a winery located in uh, the Walla Walla area of yes. Washington State. Yes. And is Washington going to be able to, to respond to the demand for quality like Cabernet and Merlot as the categories continue so One of the to reasons grow? I was so excited to come to Washington, but specifically also to Lake Hull was where I hoped to come. But to Washington, I really feel like there's a huge future for us with Cabernet also because Cabernet has tightened up so much. The pricing and the demand has tightened up. Um, you know, Napa Sonoma makes excellent Cabernet, obviously, but the prices just continue to grow and grow and grow. So for other portions of the market, they're going to need to look elsewhere. And Merlot and Washington is in a perfect position to respond to that Cabernet demand. Um, there are other places in California also that are ready to respond, but I think we're in a, a great place for it because there's it's just a pl perfect place to grow fruit. Mm. And, and price-wise. Price-wise, exactly. I mean, we have a lot of advantages. Because of the dry climate, the, even conventional vineyards can be treated much less than a conventional vineyard in California. So, so less expensive to To manage grow. vineyards, mm -hmm. yeah. It's just a healthy, healthy place to grow fruit. <coughs> you brought two wines in, excuse me, uh, yes. Merlot, the 2015. I just had a sip of that. It's exactly what you want in a Merlot. Uh, the roundness, the uh, texture... The layered flavor, the savory characters. It's a beautiful color. Yeah, deep color. But I, I definitely, when you mention savory, it's probably not just the power of suggestion, but I, you'd get that. It's yeah. It's got a meaty flavor to it, which is not something you always expect. No, and it, it cuts through the sweet fruit. Like a lot of Merlot can be just sweet fruit. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. uh, easy and drinking. And so, yeah, it's okay, but, you know, it doesn't it doesn't refresh your, like you just yeah. can't finish it all. But once you have this this uh, savoriness, then it's a whole different ball yeah. game, which I really like. Uh, Semion you brought as well. Now, that's a different animal altogether. Very exciting. And they seem they seem excited about yeah. it down there for quite a while. Well, these are it's fun that we're tasting these two wines. I'm so glad you selected uh, to, to talk about these two wines because they're both our most historic heritage wines. Yeah. I mean, Merlot and Semillon for, for Le Col are our roots. So Semillon, of course, is a dry... is from the Bordeaux region, sure. where they blend it with Sauvignon Blanc to make uh, white Bordeaux Blanc uh, dry, like Grave and Entre de Mer. And this, in fact, does have 15% Sauvignon Blanc in it, so it's in that direction. But it's so tangy, and it has the body of Simeon, but then it has that freshness and the acid in it because of our cool nights and because of the cool harvest grassy um, nutty guava tangerine like it's quirky yeah. it's a very uh, interesting nose as well in flavor uh, profile uh, so what's the experience for for british Columbus? we're not far away can we visit the winery how do we do that when are they open what what is that you know we're open year round yeah. i think we may be closed on new year's day or christmas day but okay. literally every other day from 10 to 5 and we yeah. saw 28,000 people last year come wow. in and, wow. and walla walla is a great town to set up in i guess if it is it's to, a real to visit wineries it's only can be a destination it's not on the way to anywhere yeah so you really have to make a point of it so good lodgings and what about uh, restaurants so I mean, you nice, left New you know. York, so Lots of them. what, you know, what yeah. can you recommend? My husband and I c talk about how we're so surprised that the level of the food is really yeah. fantastic. Great. And we, we've just had, s there's, you know, a handful, let's say 10 good yep. restaurants, five great restaurants. Yes. But enough to really get out and, yeah. and amazing steak, amazing 
continental European cuisine. And, and you have that great heritage hotel in downtown Walla Marcus Walla Whitman too. is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, people should. Set I take up there people in too. there just to walk around the lobby, just because yeah. it is. It's, and it's, uh, it's I old don't know, frontier w- days. Would feel. we say it's Art Deco? I don't like the whole town seems to have no, been put really, back yeah, together. Yeah, 19, late nineteenth century sort of frontier feel. Yeah. in a way, but renovated. You know, the like, grand, de- grand old yeah. big days. You know, it's yeah. it's really deep roots there in Walla Walla, and it's sort of like New place. York in some ways, maybe. In some ways, maybe. you know. <laughs> New York has a, you make eye contact with people in Walla Walla, and that's yeah. a difference. <laughs> well, the Cole 41, uh, Constance, it's really a, a, a special place. So, folks, you should uh, get down there. Thank if you're looking for the wines, they're available here. They're, they're mostly available in private wine shops in British Columbia, but uh, many of the different labels are here uh, in town and, of course, in restaurants. There's quite a good support for Washington wines in restaurants as well in Vancouver. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for and, also uh, talking with me we'll about it. We'll try and get down to Walla Walla. Great. I can't wait. I'd love to welcome you. Okay, thanks so much. That was our quick tour around the world today, folks. One of the specialties of uh, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. We have friends everywhere, and they all make wine or food. Uh, thanks for joining us across the province today in Vancouver, Victoria, Kamloops, Kelowna, Penticton, and uh, all their friends along the uh, South Okanagan Trail as well. Uh, we hope that you've had a great time. This is it. For the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Have a great weekend. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.